You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. The Russian government is the prime suspect in German political hacks. Russia reorganizes its security services. Apparently, the KGB is back in everything but name. Krebs on security sustains a record-breaking DDoS attack. Ransomware may meet data manipulation. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, September 22, 2016. Deutsche Welle has followed up yesterday's report of a spear phishing campaign against German political organizations with more expert assessment that the compromise was probably accomplished on behalf of Russian intelligence services. The fish bait appears to have consisted largely of emails purporting to be from NATO. The evidence isn't dispositive, but observers think it points fairly clearly in the direction of Moscow. The Frankfurter Allgemeine quotes British expert Thomas Ridd as saying there's forensic evidence that the hacks were linked to last year's intrusion into Bundestag networks. Many observers in Germany are comparing the incident to discovery in the U.S. that Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear were deep into the Democratic National Committee's emails. The German incidents display no obvious ideological angle, as both the center-right CDU-CSU and, for the most part, Moscow-aligned left party were affected. But either a deeper game or an unselective collector's passion seem to be at work here. In any case, there appears to be considerable Russian interest in electoral matters. As the U.S. continues to mull the wisdom of a proposed separation of NSA from U.S. Cyber Command, an idea favored by the current dual-hatted leader of both organizations, and the separation of NSA itself from the Department of Defense, Russian intelligence services are undergoing their own reorganization. President Putin has announced the impending unification of the SVR, responsible for foreign intelligence, and the FSB, responsible for security, into a Ministry of State Security. Investigation of last weekend's bombings around New York suggests to many observers that the lone wolf metaphor for such attackers is inapt. The suspect shows signs of conscious connection to ISIS inspiration. Our analytics staff suggests that we take the metaphor seriously. A lone wolf is an aberration, since wolves are pack animals. If the wolves are within earshot of the howling, they're still in a pack, no matter how physically dispersed those wolves may be. Tuesday evening, the well-known investigative security website Krebs on Security suffered a major DDoS attack. DDoS defense provider Akamai has succeeded in mitigating the attack, but they're calling it one of the biggest distributed denial-of-service attacks on record, clocking the attack traffic at 620 gigabits per second. The largest attack Akamai had hitherto observed came in at 363 gigabits per second. That earlier attack and other big attacks like it were accomplished by botnets using DNS reflection or amplification. But the attack against Krebs on security was different in that it relied on no such amplification or reflection. 
Instead, Akamai says that the methods were garbage web attack techniques that require a legitimate connection between the attacking host and the target. This suggests a very large botnet, possibly composed of IoT devices. An Akamai expert told Krebs that, quote, someone has a botnet with capabilities we haven't seen before. We looked at the traffic coming from the attacking systems, and they weren't just from one region of the world or from a small subset of networks. They were everywhere. End quote. Krebs thinks it's possible the attack is retaliation for his recent outing of the subsequently arrested proprietors of the DDoS for Hire service VDOS. Some of the post requests in the flood referenced Free Applejack, the handle of one of the lads arrested. The ISF is a 26-year-old not-for-profit organization headquartered in London. That's Steve Durbin, Managing Director of the ISF, the Information Security Forum. We checked in with him to learn more about the ISF and what non-profit member-based organizations have to offer. We provide a range of services to our members who are based all around the world, from New Zealand across to South America and including, of course, the United States and, uh, and the UK and Europe. But essentially, we provide research services, we provide software tools and methodologies, and we provide a sophisticated collaboration environment that is both digital and face-to-face. And we do that from our analyst bases that are in London and New York and Chicago. And over the course of 26 years, I mean, certainly the landscape has changed. What are some of the, the developments that have, been, that have been key to the evolution of the ISF? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it bears no resemblance today to, to what it did uh, 26 years ago. I think, you know, back in those days, it was all about focusing on, on the technology. Um, it was about things like the firewalls and, uh, and so on. Today, of course, it's very much more about the business of, uh, of cybersecurity. It's about a, an increasingly more complex threat landscape. It's about how do you align some of the security services that you're providing both within an enterprise and indeed to an organization with the business requirements of, uh, of those organizations too. So I think a very different uh, focus today from, from what was prevalent all those years ago. I mean, really the bedrock of, of what we do is something called the standard of good practice. This provides uh, some, some clear insight to our members um, really around some of the controls that they ought to be putting in place across the security environment. That ranges from everything from physical right the way through to mobile, cloud, and, and so on. What we've also done with this is map it directly across to things like the NIST cybersecurity framework. That's very, very important for our uh, American-based uh, members, of course. But it doesn't stop there. It also goes across to ISO standards, to COVID-5, PCI DSS, um, a whole range of other standards. So, so really, if you're a multinational organization and you have to comply with these different standards or you wish to comply with these different standards, the standard of good practice is a, is a good place to start. Do you think being a, a not-for-profit that that gives you the ability to approach things from a different perspective than, than a company who has to make money? I think it has a number of benefits, Dave, certainly. I mean, uh, you know, we do always have to be focused on delivering member value clearly in everything that we do. But it does mean that we're able to be very cost effective in terms of the way that we deliver that value back to the membership. It also means that we are uh, very focused on remaining independent and objective. So we don't uh, go out of our way to promote you know, vendor products and, and services and so on. And I think the other unique thing about the ISF is that our shareholders effectively are our members. Um, so there is a very clear line of sight between an organization that joins as a member, the 
research and deliverables that they receive that is in response to their request and also our governance structure. So it's, a, it's, it's quite a unique way of, of going forward, but it certainly served us well over the last 26 years. That's Steve Durbin, Managing Director of the ISF, the Information Security Forum. Some late-breaking news. Yahoo has confirmed that information on at least 500 million user accounts has been stolen. The Wall Street Journal reports that Yahoo says the hack occurred in 2014 and that Yahoo thinks a state-sponsored actor was responsible. Observers note this is the largest ever publicly disclosed data breach. And finally, ransomware continues to afflict enterprises around the world. Academic institutions appear to have surpassed healthcare as the sector most targeted by criminals. What those sectors have in common is their collection and retention of large quantities of personal data. Yesterday, we were at the third annual Senior Executive Cybersecurity Conference, organized by the Johns Hopkins University's Information Security Institute. We heard Johns Hopkins Professor Avi Rubin, who blocked out a new and disturbing future for ransomware. Why, he asked rhetorically, simply encrypt files? Why not manipulate data instead? Suppose you were able to establish persistence in a hospital's network and systematically alter patient medical records for a few months. Then you could approach the hospital, point out that their data was corrupt, and that you can prove it. But don't worry, you could offer to restore the integrity of their data for a fee. And don't call it a shakedown, call it a subscription. Professor Rubin, you've got a dark imagination. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. Joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, uh, we're coming up on the end of President Obama's uh, second term in office, and that is a time when the president considers who they may grant presidential pardons to, and I think certainly at the top of many people's minds, is Edward Snowden. And we're seeing compelling arguments, I'd say, from both sides, uh, for and against a presidential pardon. Can you walk us through those arguments? 
Yeah, I think there are compelling arguments on both sides. And I know this topic has come to a head recently because of the release of the new Oliver Stone film about Edward Snowden's life. And in fact, we've seen compelling arguments within institutions themselves. First, we saw it within the NSA. There was a 60-minute segment uh, several months after the Snowden disclosures in 2013, where there was a divide between the director of the NSA, Keith Alexander, who argued that Snowden should not be pardoned, a pardon would be a moral hazard, and that it would encourage other contractors or employees within the national security apparatus to leak documents knowing that there would not be any adverse consequences. Whereas the deputy director, a man by the name of Richard Leggett, actually entertained the possibility of a presidential pardon, saying that because Snowden possessed hundreds of thousands of pages of classified material, it may be in the government's interest to try and deal with him, to try and get him to forfeit the material in exchange for some sort of immunity, including a presidential pardon. And we've also seen this, this argument play out uh, in the Washington Post, interestingly, over the last week. Uh, the Washington Post received a Pulitzer Prize for their coverage of the Snowden disclosures back in 2013, yet their uh, op-ed board this past weekend wrote an editorial saying it would be improper to pardon Snowden, much for the same reasons that uh, General Alexander uh, illustrated in his 60-minute segments. Uh, but then today we saw an op-ed uh, from one of the media specialists who work at the Washington Post who took a different view and said, uh, the disclosures were extremely valuable for our public policy debate, and it's hard to understate the policy effects of the of the disclosure. We had a national conversation specifically about uh, bulk meta metadata of phone records that led to the enactment of the USA Freedom Act, which uh, basically ended that bulk metadata program. So it's hard to argue that the disclosures haven't had an enormous public policy impact, and that without the disclosures. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to have this this national conversation. So again, I think these are very compelling arguments. It's um, something where we see the typical divide between civil libertarians who who prize the concepts of transparency and openness and allowing the public to have full knowledge of uh, some of these clandestine programs against the security apparatus who understands the threats posed by divulging classified information and in many cases may be privy to other secret information indicating the damage done by Snowden, whether it's cost the lives of U.S. soldiers in the battlefield or, or otherwise. So I think you're absolutely right that both sides have, have compelling cases. All right. Time will tell. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Struggling to secure on-prem apps with modern identity? Don't worry, you're not alone. Join industry leaders from Fortune 500 organizations to secure your apps on any cloud with any IDP, regardless of your environment's complexity. Meet Strata's identity orchestration platform, Mavericks. Say goodbye to the headaches of app refactoring and legacy tech debt. With identity orchestration, you can modernize legacy apps to use MFA or passwordless authentication in a few weeks, migrate from one IDP to another, and so much more without changing the app. No matter your IAM use case, Strata extends the value of your current identity investments. And the best part? You can try it for free today. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire to share your biggest identity challenge, and they'll hook you up with a complimentary pair of AirPods Pro. 
Don't miss out. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire. That's strata.io slash cyberwire. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K Cyberwire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now.